This episode of Box Cutters is supported in kind by 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Subscribe to RRR before the 22nd of September to be in the running for some great prizes. More details at rrr.org.au. And by Box Cutters listeners supporting Box Cutters through extraordinarily generous donations. See the donate section at boxcutters.net and thanks. Box Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 241. That's just the way it sounds. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And <laughs> to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers, and welcome to the new year. Thanks. What, Thank you. what, what my, new year? Oh, the new uh, box cutters year. Five two seven seven. It's it's it, there's a five in it. There's a seven in it. That's pretty much. I'm pretty sure there's a five or two. And you know, we didn't a double number. I just and a seven. I stopped counting. <laughs> I stopped counting and around uh, about five thousand. Uh-huh. I stopped counting how many years and, uh, and and just kept going to synagogue and enjoying the meals. That's that's what I do. That's how I celebrate a new year. Well, uh, that's Josh, how Jews get down. Gong hi po choy. That's that, what you, gong, your thank people you. say, is it? Thank, yeah, yeah. Gong, gong. In our dialect, it's gong hi po choy. Okay. But, you know, it's close enough. Yeah. It's close enough for, for a non-speaker. To my far left, and as a special introduction, I'd like to welcome to the Box Cutters family, Mr. Toby Halligan. Greetings, all. How are we? Very well, thank you. You're, You're coming so on. So posh, <laughs> isn't he? Just he's, he is. He's, he's from Canberra. Yes, they're all nice in Canberra. Well, no, I think people just have to cultivate nice accents because there are very few pleasant things there. So at least when you're talking to people, you want it to be an enjoyable experience. Actually, now you're on the mic. Do you know Steve Grimwade? Ah, uh, no, I don't. There, there is. I, I do notice that. Yeah. I do notice that. Do you, do you have the That's Steve Grimway button pressed in by mistake? Yeah, have you, got, have you accidentally got no, no, Steve Grimway depressed? He's like gone enough. I think he might be involved in running the Melbourne Writers Road. Festival. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, not the uh, not the Wheeler Centre. Uh, no, and, and do I sound like Steve? You Very just sound so. a little bit like Steve, right? But Fair more enough. Canberra. Oh. A little bit more Canberra than Steve. Anyway, uh, for, for listeners uh, who, who are unaware, which is all of you, Toby's coming on board to be our new producer. Mm. So uh, he's the one who will be pulling the strings. Yes. When, when anyone comes in, we have this little kind of... It's like telling the kids that you're getting divorced. Yeah. Like, there's always this moment going, we don't want you to be alarmed, <laughs> but there will be another voice in the house. Yes. <laughs> Every now and then, you will hear Toby's voice. It's not a stranger. Yeah. It doesn't mean we love you any less. You're in a safe place. It's just Toby Halligan. Yeah. But then he starts dating other people and it all gets <laughs> weird. What? Why are you... Why is that happening now? Why is that happening at the start? It really started in the gutter here, haven't we? I, I just wanted... <clears throat> I wanted it to be nice. I just wanted it to be nice for some months. And you're already working out what, how it's going to end, Brett. No, no. You, you. <laughs> I, uh, think just, was, I think it was John's, uh, it's like explaining to the kids that we're getting divorced. Just think of me as a, an in-house mediator. You to resolve yeah, conflict, uh, smooth things over, in-house laugh track as you're well. You're like the, uh, the local relationships, relationships Australia. Exactly. Mm. I'm a consultant. Here to give you advice. <gasps> the hey, marriage riff. Yes, yes, Exactly. <laughs> Well, we, we welcome you aboard, Toby, mm, and uh, I'm very glad to have you 
And uh, and Toby I, doesn't have a chair. I think I should point that out, though. He will, There's a weird hierarchy really, thing yeah. here that Toby he, he doesn't have a chair. He will, he Josh will have a chair. That. That's the how you first, can pick him on the video podcast. The first couple of months, just first to make sure I'm in place. Just on your knees, uh, but not in a dirty way. I think I need to make that clear as well. The floor is quite dirty. <laughs> well, that's, you People know. that studios are beautiful, but. <laughs> but, you know, a vacuum every now and then. Uh, this week on the show, we are going to talk about the a new show from the CW in the US called Huge. Uh, Brett's got an I Don't Buy It. I've got a rule of one carried over from the Outland Institute, John. Hey. Yeah, rule of one. Uh, this is actually rule of a third. <laughs> Because that's all I got through. So that's uh, the segment where you review programs by not watching them. By not watching them. Yep. Uh, this week, Hellcats. Uh, we've uh, we've also got uh, Letters to Box Cutters. Can, can I point out the most exciting thing, though, which you haven't mentioned? Really, really exciting. This week, we're going to announce the number five entrant <laughs> on the top ten greatest TV characters of all time. I even, I even almost forgot that that's what we were... Because last week, uh, we announced nine of the ten... This is the one we left this out. This is the one we left out. So <laughs> number five. Yeah, 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 number five. We left out number five. Just didn't. You, well, because John wasn't here. And that was, yeah. And obviously number five is the most exciting number I could read out. And yeah, somehow we glossed over it. Yeah. That was John's number. Yeah. Right. I was at home asleep on the couch <laughs> with number five. You'd had yeah. a pretty a pretty hard weekend. I'd had five days of people telling me I was marvellous at well, OzzyCon. And it just, you know, it's I, hard. I was, it was too much. That's hard work. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we will be talking about number five. As always, though, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. Hey, Toby does have a chair now, but he's in a different place. Just, just for those watching the video podcast, don't, don't get, don't get a bit. Now he's going to be talking can, off mic. He can either have a chair or a microphone, but he can't have both. Uh, if only there was some way the studio could manage both of those things together. It can't. <laughs> just, just can't be done. It just, it just can't be done. Uh, in, you know, we've been talking a lot about three D news, three, th- not the news in three D, but <laughs> news about three D television. Yeah, uh, what which, a farce it is. Which I still think is proof of concept gone too far. Uh, and the world kind of agrees, but then kind of doesn't agree. And and more and more evidence turns up every week, John, that tells me there is definitely a market for 3D television. That evidence being that businesses, big businesses, who traditionally only do things that they know are going to work when people are going to buy their products, put money behind an idea and then push it. Are people buying them, though? Surely that's ah, the question. This is, I don't know. I've seen no evidence. I don't know anyone who owns a 3D television. I know a lot of early adopters who can think of nothing worse than buying a 3D television. I, I know people who've bought a new television and it's a function built into it. But that's just coincidence? But coincidence, and they haven't used it. Or they've but used hasn't it once been and- like a thousand dollar premium on that well apparently it's now going to be built into some just you know some good high-end televisions just sort of by default and and in fact i I did get told by one person who was looking at one and chose not to buy it because it had a 3d function and she didn't want people to think she was buying a 3d television that's a good point that was odd that's a good point that social acceptance is going to come from choosing not (laughs) Not. to buy 3d tv well deutsche telecom have uh, have launched 
their first 3D TV offering in, in Germany, and that's going to be a video-on-demand platform uh, that will have uh, movies on demand in 3D. Mm. So that's their first 3D television offering. So, so is 3D TV not over the traditional broadcast spectrum? It's uh, being delivered over broadband. Uh, yeah, I think through, uh, I think through satellite and cable. Yeah, I think that's that's how that's how they're doing it. Uh, and uh, their main rival is Sky Deutschland. Uh, and they plan to have their own 3D channel in October, which will have sport, film, documentaries, and events. So, two 3D channels coming to Germany for no good reason that anyone can think of. But, if we have any German listeners uh, who who have bought a 3D television or know people who have bought a 3D television, please send us an email, hooray at boxcutters.net, because maybe 3D TV is going crazy in Germany. Maybe Germany just loves 3D tele. Can't get enough of 3D television. I've heard they're uh, they're actually going to phase out 2D TV by 2013. Really? Yeah, that's what I hear. Really? Did, did you just make that up? He just made that up. And but it scared. sounded convincing. I know, yeah. but now everyone's running scared. Interestingly, how, uh, Germany was. That's how was Orson Welles got born. <laughs> he got born that way. He got yes. born that um, way. Yeah. Uh, Germany was one of the the front runners in digital audio broadcast or digital radio. Um, and when we were first talking about it here and first talking, and this was like 10 years before we had our first trial in Melbourne, um, they were saying, uh, yep, all our, all our uh, traditional FM, AM, radio uh, spectrum uh, frequencies would be turned off by 2005. Really? Did, yeah. did that happen? I'm not actually sure... Uh, you know, you know what stopped that happening. Right. I know it hasn't cars, happened in the UK. Yeah, cars stopped that happening. And I'm not talking about Rick Ocasek. I'm talking like cars. Uh, the Gary Newman song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people love hearing that on the radio. On the radio, and driving. you can't hear that in digital. Apparently, yeah. uh, no, because people don't have digital radios in their cars, and until they start having digital radios in their cars, there's no point. European cars, however, have for a long time been a lot more advanced than anything that we've seen here, especially with its uh, kind of traffic announcement systems, with the uh, with the tuners in on normal FM and AM in uh, Europe. You could set it to automatically pick up whenever it's got a tra- uh, traffic uh, report on any station and it would actually skip over to that station when it came up. But, Brett, and I don't that want to, stuff. I don't want also, to turn this into GPS German cars stuff. today. No, I'm not talking uh, about... But uh, you'll also notice that in European cars they do have the steering wheel on the wrong side. So I don't think we can really use them as a, a milestone for everything that's going to happen in Australia. James Bond had a car that could show you what was outside it so it looked like it was invisible. Oh. But that was a terrible movie. Which one was that? Die Another Day. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how the, uh, the I can't think what it was, Luke Skywalker's little uh, land speeder. Was that what it was? Oh. They just used mirrors to make it look like it was hovering. So that's, what? More, that's actually clever. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, that's not real. Yeah. yeah, that's how they really did it. It didn't really hover. They just used mirrors. They just mirrors. made it look like it hovered. It was pretend. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Brett. Do you have any news that's not going to screw with my mind? <laughs> uh, Stephanie Rice has uh, apparently been dropped by the Seven Network. 
and this seems to have been announced after she'd got into trouble, a little bit of trouble with uh, calling some rugby team a bunch of faggots. Uh, she, she, I think it was South African rugby team uh, who he lost a, a, a rugby match, yeah, uh, and yeah. she tweeted, Take "quote suck on that faggots," there you go. Uh, which you know was not funny during the 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 rugby team thing, but was very funny when the independents were announcing their allegiance to the Labour Party to form a government. It was a very funny tweet then. Was that another one of hers? No, that was one of mine. But uh, I didn't actually send it just in case the Herald Sun picked up on it. Yes. And then got me sacked from Channel 7. And you wouldn't want to lose your lucrative uh, contracts. No. Um, Jaguar and stuff. With Jaguar. I wouldn't want my Jaguar to be taken away from me. Yeah. Jaguar is real. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Channel 7 came out and announced that they hadn't renewed Stephanie Rusk's contract last month uh, off the back of that uh, ugly tweet. <sighs> It is interesting that... It, it seemed a little bit revisionist. Well, I, uh, well, I actually... Channel 7's announcement. Well, I think it's actually kind of nice that people have finally started to notice that, you know, using faggot and gay as derogatory terms is actually offensive. And so, you know, well done that, that, that people have picked up on that now after about 15 years of it happening. Um, it's interesting, though, that she has been punished to a degree that, say, people like Sam Newman didn't for making various kind of misogynistic and similar... I don't know. It, 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 it's weird. There's, there's Not that I'm defending her because I'm actually quite glad they did this, but it just seems odd that, well, that, that they've made they've made it about one individual rather than a culture. That's that, that's because that anything wrong. anything along those lines that Sam Newman comes up isn't offensive to their audience, whereas Stephanie Rice is a more kind of general, okay. you know, ath- athletic uh, type star, and uh, that's what she's trading on. Hmm. So you know, Sam Newman could could talk about his weekend partying with uh, with, with you know. Hitler and Pol Pot, and uh, and how they how they were you know whoring it up on the town, and but his audience would find that hilarious. the Footy Show yeah. are all up for that, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're mad Pol Pot fans. Right, the Footy Show. If he went in saying, "Hey, I read some Noam Chomsky the other day," they'd just be on him like they'd, a shot. He they'd, would get sacked. Oh, just yeah. be straight away. Silent in Done. Studio Nine. There. Done. Okay. Uh, I net the internet service provider. I I. And this Come. is this is. I find this quite strange. So this is what's happening now. It used to be that a TV station would sign a deal with some kind of sporting outlet to show their sporting games on their station. Now, internet service providers are signing deals with sporting outlets to be the exclusive rights holders for uh, for the, their games just, in just a territory. Just the internet, though, or for all no, forms of... for all forms. So IINet announced that it had secured the rights the entire Australian rights uh, for showing uh, the Premier League games or all the all the football slash soccer matches for Chelsea and Manchester City. Admittedly, these are probably teams that people don't really care about. This it's not like it's Man, Man United, Australian or, broadcast. But this is for Australian broadcast. So, and they're not on the anti siphon list. Uh, no, not on the anti siphon oh, list. Who would have thunk it? So, so soccer is surprisingly not. Yeah. Uh, well, football. Well, thanks. European we call it soccer here in this country, we call it soccer. That's what we proudly call it. Not where they're it's playing the games that they're actually broadcasting. No, no, no. Where, where they're broadcasting it from, it's football. But where we receive it and watch it, it's soccer. And you know why? Because like otherwise, it's confusing. Yeah, like how they can post the porn from Canberra, but you can't receive it. Then it's illegal. Yeah, you can receive it. Can you receive it? Yeah, now? you can't buy it in. Uh, in in adult shops in Victoria. Oh, okay. You're not allowed to cross it over state lines either. 
What? But then if they post it to you, surely they're crossing over state lines. No, really? that's Australia Post. You're getting Australia Post to do your dirty work. Oh, I see. So Australia Post can be arrested and put in jail. Sometimes Australia Post. Sometimes I just get Toby Halligan's family when they come and visit from Canberra. To bring a truckload of porn. To bring a truckload of porn. Well, half a truck of porn and half a truck of fireworks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. By the way, Toby, because A, you don't have a microphone, <laughs> and B, you're from Canberra. All those jokes are going to happen from now on. It's valid. That's, uh, I'm sorry. I should have told you about that earlier. No, yeah, we can't hear you. You're not a mic. You're not a mic. No one can hear you. No, come back. So, uh, IINet are, are going to show these through their free zone on their uh, uh, on their web portal, so you can you can watch them for free if you're an IINet subscriber, and they'll also be available on Fetch TV, uh, which is the IINet uh, Internet Protocol television version. So we've we've talked about Fetch Internet Protocol. Yeah, we've talked about IPTV, that. IPTV, yeah. Yeah. So Fetch, Fetch TV is, is what Ionet have signed up with. So it's not available on Telstra's T-Hub? No. Oh. No, you need a bob for Ionet. You need a, yes. Yes. Oh. Uh, it's a bob so looks like a tool. Bob. So it's really interesting that television now is, is going to be the point of difference for a lot of... ISPs? ISPs as well as TV networks. And uh, the networks are going to... It, it's, it's a whole new game. I'm really excited. Well, this, it's, this, it's another this reason that who who came up with the announcement? The OECD um, suggested that uh, Telstra really should get out of Foxtel if uh, they were to stay in the ISP business because there's going to be a conflict of interest along the line there somewhere. Yes, yes, and they should really get out of Foxtel anyway because it's not doing anyone any good. No, they should uh, just give I'm, up on it. I'm really shut it down. I'm really excited that. Uh, it, it really is a whole new playing field. We're going to see some great stuff happening. But it's not broadcast, is it? So I don't think it would even be a consideration for the anti-siphon list. Yeah, is it live or is it... Oh, it's, it can be live, but it's not broadcast. So so it's not being sent out. Oh, but then Foxtel's not... But, it's a, subscription, really but it's a subscription package. Yeah. See? That's how it works. Mm, curious. It's just... I wonder if they had to get sign-off. Through the anti-siphoning list. No, yeah. it's, it's whether or not something is on the list. So if it's... UK is probably not on the list. So, all, yeah, I'm, oh, I suppose. I'm guessing that Premier League isn't on the list. I think the things that are on the list are uh, Australian teams and Australian sports. So a foreign sport would not be on the list. Uh, US baseball, not on the list. But the... Uh, and that's why you're forced to pay for Foxtel. For Foxtel or watch the crappy games on 1HD. Which they do. They've got the crappy baseball games on 1HD. The, what, Japan leagues? Uh, no, no, the crappy... Uh, Minor leagues? Proper... No, no, major league. Major, oh. Just crappy teams. Okay. Like the Arizona Diamondbacks. You just made that up. No, I did not. And they have the worst uniform. Yeah, do they have diamonds they on, look like on their backs? No, they just, they just... It looks like some <laughs> three-year-old just did some kind of pastiche of cutouts from a, from a magazine and went, that's your new uniform, wear that. But they've also got a maraca stuck to the top of their pants. So they can, <laughs> so they can rattle. Also, I don't think three-year-olds do pastiches. Uh, d- what, what do they do? I collage. Think, I think you mean collage, possibly. That's I, what I, I meant. Know. I yeah, mean yeah. collage. Because a pastiche is where a three-year-old's trying to make something that uses the strength of the other thing that they're copying. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, sorry. I... I, <laughs> I uh, I used uh, the word pastiche because paste is used in collage, and that's my clearly. I'm, I've got a cold. 
my brain isn't working as well as it should be. You're correct. Three-year-olds don't do pastiche. Generally. Generally. And that- right in. If you have a three-year-old who does pastiche, too. Hooray. At Brett Cropley, one more news item, please. We did mention what before uh, Sam Newman on the footy show. Uh, he's breached the commercial television industry code of practice by uh, holding several severe ridicule against a person on the grounds of colour and race that has been found. Um, he's uh, kind of unrepentant, but Channel 9 have agreed to pay $200,000 to charity... In the event of a future breach. <laughs> Hang on, so, what? In case, if he does do it, they'll give the money to charity? Or they're doing it in case he does it again? If he does it again by the end of uh, next year from memory. This, this is just, so if the charity wants is, the money, so they need to try and get him to do this. <laughs> I, I've got an idea. Let's say to all shows on all networks that they're on notice. If, if they don't read and understand the code of practice, which they should already have done, because ignorance of the law is no excuse, then it's not a law; it's a code. Let's have them all agree to pay two hundred thousand to maybe ten million dollars if if any of their stars just happen to break the code. This, like, it's it's outrageous uh, that that there is no. Real penalty for Channel Nine for for that severe ridicule, and and I remember seeing the episode accidentally because I was sitting there with people that uh, are into the footy show, and and like it was it was five minutes of of pretty much unrelenting on Monkey Man and and marrying this woman. That's it, it, uh, uh, so it's reprehensible. It's just so out of line. So what you're saying is that. Uh, the networks have not been punished to the fullest extent they should have. You know what he's saying is you should be a football player and not a swimmer. Right. <laughs> Lesson well learned. Mm. I will not be a swimmer. Yeah, don't do that. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of this funny, sexy, gorgeous looking man and that lady over there. This is Peter Rosethorn, and you're listening to the Box Cutters. I actually forgotten who that was. <laughs> I was like, "Is this another Peter Moon one? How many did that man do?" <laughs> no, we Pete did. We, we, we did the throwing the Aussie Con thing because ah, I had such an amazing time in Aussie Con. We did get Rob Shearman, author of the 2005 Doctor Who episode Dalek, to do an impersonation of of seventies uh, Doctor Who script editor Terence Dix doing Jane Badler's box cutters ident. It's it's very. It's very Puma. It's it, yeah. So two people will find that funny when we finally get around to play. <laughs> and, and those people are you yeah. and Rob Shearman. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, because I, I have to say, it it was funny watching him do it, but it went above my head. It, like, it is an exceptionally good Terrence Sticks impersonation. It right. must be said. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you ever want anyone to impersonate a, a mid seventies Doctor Who script editor. Rob Shearman's the guy. So this segment probably should have had greatest TV characters of all time. Oh, yeah. uh, here, here comes the champ. Champ is here. Champ is here. We could just do it. We're, we're like a we beatbox duo. Yeah, yeah. And then number five. Five, five, five. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're very excited tonight to announce the fifth uh, greatest TV character <laughs> of all time. You've heard ten through one, excluding <laughs> five. five. <laughs> 
<laughs> now he's number five. So, so just snip the segment out at home and glue it back in the middle of that segment from last week and you'll be fine. So, Josh, who came in at number five? Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. It's Basil Faulty. No. <laughs> Basil Faulty from Faulty Towers, the man who ran the hotel in Torquay. Uh, as played by John Cleese, as invented by John Cleese, as written by John Cleese, as embodied by John Cleese. Uh, An amazing comedy character uh, with such uh, full and and understood emotion. Like, he was a complete person. You see so many sitcom characters who are just kind of wishy-washy in in, in the way they're they're written. and they develop their character over time. Basil Fawlty was Basil Fawlty from the very first episode. There was no changing that. Now here's a question for you, and I meant to look this up and forgot, so I don't know if you have a list of, of the full ten somewhere you can retrieve. But Fawlty Towers, 12 episodes. You know, between the two seasons. 12 or 14? Uh, just 12, as far as I know. 12. I think it's actually 12 or 13. Oh, okay. There's some controversy. It, it's 12. It's 12. It's 12. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the man why with we... no voice has been shouting, it's that's... 12! And we all ignore him. That's why we mic. have a producer. Um, you can always tap me on the shoulder. And, and it's two seasons. Or just stomp the numbers. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's two seasons that aren't even in consecutive years. There's actually a, a gap yes, there is. Between, between the two. I'm sorry, Mr. Ed, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're telling us it's 12. What does Akba say, Mr. Ed? <laughs> anyway, um... And, and, and it's something occurred to me. So, you know, that's fifth uh, fifth greatest TV character of all time, according to Box Cutters listeners, who will know, um, based on 12 episodes, which is quite astonishing. I think that's and the highest number to ratio of episodes. Well, I was wondering, how, how, how many other... How did it break down? Do we have many from those sort of short-run series, or they, do they tend to be from longer ones? Oh, uh, they... David they, Brent? Well, number number David one... David Brent's only... Is that three seasons? No, it's two and a, two and a Christmas special, isn't it? So two, two, which I think is 14. Yeah. Uh... But he was number 10. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Doctor Who, of course, had 89 seasons. Yes, the four million seasons and, yeah. In one day. Yeah. Thanks, Crater House. And, yeah. uh, and so he was number one. Uh, so I, I do think so Basil's... So ye- years on air is... is <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Years on air, Basil Fawlty wins. So we, we should work out... So yeah. Basil Fawlty's actually number one. So per capita... Basil Fawlty is number one, yes. followed by David Brent. Followed by David Brent, uh, or possibly Norman Gunston. Oh, Norman Gunston. Oh, no, he had, had, had the Channel stuff. 7 ones as well. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And uh, the breakdown years. Yeah. Still, still, iffy. both of them doing a lot better than Margot Ledbetter. Still coming in at infinity. <laughs> 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 so, if you're listening to this show and you don't know who Basil Fawlty is, what the hell have you been doing with your life? Uh, if you have not seen any Faulty Towers, uh, you must, because it is probably the best pure situation comedy that has ever been. And this is, you know, not talking about sitcom as a half-hour television comedy format, uh, talking about uh, where a situation creates the comedy, uh, and and it is a comedy of errors, and it is something that the British do and have always done exceptionally well. David Brent and Basil Fawlty not dissimilar, yes. really. You know, a very clear sort of yeah, line between those two series. It's just kind of interesting that those were the two. So that Basil, up. Basil Fawlty was was obviously a lot less full of himself. 
and it was kind it's of just still reacting an uncomfortable to, to situations that he ended up in. He, he never picked up a guitar and... Basil no, Fawlty, funnily enough, I think a lot more sympathetic than than David Brent. A, a little more. I think he's still a bad restaurant runner, though. It's still, you know, he's still not actually you know, good. Only because he was incompetent, not because he was <laughs> but he was poorly also, intentioned. But, but he was Brent's also incompetent too, isn't he? And David Brent's incompetent trying to get your love, whereas Basil Fawlty didn't want your love. Like he mm. didn't he didn't care whether or not he was liked. He cared about his reputation, but he didn't didn't care whether. Uh, whether you as an audience liked him. And mm-hmm. I don't think you were supposed to like him. And somehow that's what made him more sympathetic. I mean, he used to beat up Manuel, the the waiter, porter, what, what have you, at the at the hotel. If he did that now, He's- he'd get fired from his job on BBC Radio. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> nice. Yeah, sophisticated nice, gag, nice, but worth nice <laughs> Hey, I just found out that Russell Brand is engaged to Lady Gaga. What a horrible combination is that it, is. Is that true? Did that, you just make that up? I, I saw that on the news, on the Channel 9 news, in fact. <laughs> Were they horrified? Was it shock? I, I was shocked. I don't, I don't, they kind of just reported it as everyone knows. Has, <laughs> has Lady Gaga been fired from her job on BBC Radio? No, but I'm, just, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if, uh, if Mr. Sachs knows about that. I'm sure he'd have some words. Uh, anyway, so Basil Fawlty used to do that. He, he used to actually employ physical violence against a, another character uh and yet he somehow got our sympathies he was the he was the man who well it was because was just he was given on the all verge these, of a nervous breakdown and that's why he acted that way but he's also given all these burdens and he, and he seemed to be uh just so, so submissive to to his wife who uh who ruled that hotel just with a scowl like she she managed to get him to do things where it, it was. It, I'm not expressing myself very well, clearly, but uh, it was a, a great power play between Sybil and Basil. And Basil Fawlty is trying to pretend to be top dog the whole time. See, I would say that was. And one, we know that, that he's not. That's one of the bits of Fawlty has that I did have a bit of a problem with because I never really believed those two as a couple. I don't know, it's one of those things that, you know, and it comes from that 70s English tradition of, you know, the husband and wife always hate each other. But yeah, you kind of think, well, get a divorce. You know, I, I don't know, I just really have a It was a different time. That went a different time, yeah. Maybe it was before Henry VIII. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is one of those, that's one of those odd moments in the show where, because you will kind of go with, with, with you know, Manuel and, and all the rest of it, but you kind of go, well, if you really hate each other so much, why are you... Yeah. Why, why are you still together? And, and I think it was just this thing of back then people Did. didn't get divorced. They just stayed together and they were invested in a hotel. It was just easier to stay together and then hope for a mental breakdown one day. I, I could also be overthinking a three-camera sitcom. So you, you, yeah. you could yeah. be. Uh, exceptionally well-written, very funny. The character of Basil yeah. Fawlty is just, it's just superb. I have my doubts. As to whether future generations, generations that are around now, will be able to follow it, that would would have any kind of the the sentimentality or or appreciation for that show because of the the format. I mean, or um, or the subject. What? I just don't think they'll get it. So I, I think it's. I think that that once anybody from the seventies kind of dies out. It's not going to it, still it is, be that classic kind of thing. It is based on a lot of things that, that you know, like uh, I think questions will come up 
the, the older it gets, saying, why would anyone stay at that hotel? Or, you know, why would that hotel still exist? And that sort of stuff, which maybe a lot of that is particularly... Yeah, but it's also... A, time and place. But it's and, also and suspension of disbelief. Like in Iraq. <laughs> what? Germans Just, weren't even in Iraq. What, what do you th- mean? Don't mention the war. I think there is a there is you know with, like with any good comedy, there's suspension of disbelief. You know what? But th- there was also this thing of the people who lived at the hotel, like the major uh, and the two old ladies, and the two mm-hmm. old ladies, and uh, and Basil Fawlty's relationship with them uh, that showed a different side of him. He was a man who had a different side to. Every single person he saw, and uh, and a man of very little patience. I think, I think he's a, a great character. Whether or not he uh, he lives up in the future, well, clearly he does because this is a list of the greatest TV characters of all time, not up until now. It includes future, which also just means <laughs> that we're uh, what? <laughs> it's of all time. I didn't realize it. It's that never ultimate. Never to be superseded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So ne- in- never to be superseded. Wow. It also means that we're up for nothing but disappointment with television yeah, from now on. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, I just realized that. Yeah. We should have thought about that early. I blame Nellie Thomas. You know why? <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> this is Abby Kadabby, and you're listening to Box Cutters. <laughs> That fairy, that fairy in training, she has a squeaky laugh. And it's not considered dangerous. It's not considered dangerous and it's not witchcraft. According to Akma. Huge is a show from the CW in the US, which Brett, are you going to do your country western. Yeah, thank you. Yes. It's not. That's what's uh, shot down in the country. uh, It's about. They don't even play country western anymore, do they? It's like sci-fi or, you know. AMC. So, just yeah, it's just yeah, wrestling. TV. It's just wrestling yeah. constantly. <laughs> yeah. How many times did that get brought up at uh, AussieCon? Oh, AussieCon, yeah. Um, the fact that sci-fi plays nothing with wrestling and also everyone's angry at Margaret Atwood. Those were the two things that I kept seeing. And it was really funny because Margaret Atwood brought up in the same way that we used to bring it up all the time on the Outland Institute. That basically, she's a science fiction writer, but because she's considered to be good, it's literature. Ah. It's this whole kind of, she's still science fiction, but no, because she's good, you call her literature. Whereas William Gibson doesn't write science fiction anymore, and he's still a science fiction writer. And yeah, so Margaret Atwood, there's this whole, if she ever turns up at those events, they're going to kill her. <laughs> she's stoned in the hallway. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. Uh, so huge Those hallways are long, too. They really are. They really are. <laughs> Melbourne Convention Centre. Goes on Sore for, legs by the end of it. It is a TARDIS. It doesn't look that big from the outside. <laughs> you go inside, it's massive. Uh, huge is created by uh, Savannah Dooley and Winnie Holtzman, uh, a mother and daughter team, or a daughter and mother team, if you want to go in the order that I mentioned them. Uh, Winnie Holtzman, you might remember as the creator of My So-Called Life. Excellent drama from many, many years ago that starred Claire Danes, uh, James Franco. Uh, so is that the Winnie from uh, from uh, the the Fred Savage? The Wonder Years? No, that's Winnie Wonder Cooper. Oh, Her nice. name is Danica something or other. She's very good at maths. She is. Uh, no, Winnie Holtzman is just a producer. That's her real name. Uh, and they co- co-created this... Or, they developed this. They can't say co-created because it was based on a book. Uh, and that's just one of the rules. No, no, that, that's as true, isn't it? It's yeah. a statement of fact. You just went a really long way around to say it's based on a book. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Have I mentioned that I got a cold? Yeah, yeah. go on. Uh, it's, the brain's just not, it's just not doing it, John. <laughs> uh, it's based 
uh, on a book that is about, and so so is the show, clearly. See, that's what's happening, John. Kids at a fat camp. They go away for the summer in the US. They're overweight, and their goal for the camp is to lose weight. But along the way, they also have relationships. And they and vote out a different person. Each no. Week. It's not a competition. But this is an ongoing... So it's not like that. So they don't have... Brett, you've seen it. They don't it. have weigh-ins where they have you've to watched wear, it. wear their underwear. Or I'm a little bit no, confused. No, they do. Oh. This, this is Wait. an o- ongoing drama oh, series. Oh, so confused. Yeah? It is an ongoing drama series. So it doesn't all take place at the Fat Camp? Or will season two be taking place in the Fat Camp? No, the whole so. thing t- takes place at the Fat Camp. Will we haven't had season, season two. two. We okay. don't know. I think they're doing a se- I think they got signed for a second season. Hmm. Uh, where are they going to go after that? Well, I'm guessing it's second year at the Fat Camp in the is same it, way that... Because like Skins, so they'll have to have... No, it's going to be like MASH. Stick. They're going to be at this Fat Camp for like 38 years or something. <laughs> the, We're they, still 17 yet. Yeah, they'll be at the Fat Camp for longer than the Korean War itself. <laughs> uh, the uh, Well, I, I don't know. Just the, the, sa- the same way that a, a high school drama, uh, they finish at the end of one year, they come back, it's the next year. Okay. So this is a f- Fat Camp. They go away... Go back to school and then come back for the next. In the summer. second year, the CW will try and make it like Gossip Girl and just put really thin girls into it. Probably <laughs> well, all the cast. It's already a lot like Gossip Girl. Like okay. there, there are cliques and it's just. Oh. It's a teen. It's a teen. Oh. What, Josh? What? Did you really not like it that much? I like Gossip Girl. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's no. fun. Uh, the uh, well, I don't really like Gossip. I just don't mind Gossip Girl. I quite liked Huge. I thought it was a, a fun little uh, little drama. It stars. Uh, that girl who was in oh, hairspray. hairspray. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mickey. Nikki Blonsky. Thank you. There you go. Uh, uh, as well as. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, as well oh, as David see, this Hasselhoff's. Uh, this is daughter. What uh, Yeah, Haley Hasselhoff, uh, who is very good in her role. I think this is one of her first big acting roles. Uh, and also, people uh, might remember. Uh, see, it's not. A, you know what? It's not on the screen, so I just can't say it. Uh, that's just confusing Who, me what? now. <laughs> Who? What? Uh, the woman from Firefly. <laughs> I know. What do you do? That's it. What, Toby's Firefly given up. And, and Toby's given up. Can you scroll down? Toby first please. goes our producers. Every so often he, he tries down. to show us more information down. on the screens and we get confused. Gina Torres. Who was in? Uh, who was in Firefly? Oh, she played that that's woman from how Firefly. I knew. Yes, as uh, as washes. She was Wash's wife. Yeah, and yeah. and she runs the camp. Uh, we're not doing this very well, Brett. So not I'm the one really that, that went on to that, Sarah Connor. And I'm really Mrs. hoping Taylor. that you would help, and really all you're doing is hindering, isn't it? <laughs> it's like no, this no, is, no, 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 my no. mum. My no, mum no. describes shows like this. It's the woman from that thing with the man. You remember? I took a lot of uh, took a lot of lithium. Notice of this what? Show. You, yes. So can you can you help? Because my brain has gone. That's it. Yeah. Um, the pseudoephedrine's worn out. That's all I've got. This this was a perfect example. I thought of uh, a show that you've got to live. Or die by the rule of three. The box cutters rule of three. The first episode, I found really painful. As, <laughs> painful. Well, I thought it was okay for a for a pilot. I don't know. There was there, there was there was something going on. I didn't get to rewatch it and figure out why I didn't. Because now I've watched seven episodes and I love it. Like I, it, it was coming to mind just out of nowhere today. Um, you were thinking about was, things that happened within yeah, the show, yeah, yeah, like like just little pictures, not not thinking about storyline or, or anything, but like in that in that real way of looking forward to getting back to it, right? That's, but the, that's because the I, first episode I almost couldn't keep going through it. Uh, it it seemed a little bit too. 
too much too much soapy, I think, in that first one. And and through that, it looked like though it was going to be the girl who leaves of the week. That's what I thought as well because uh, there's a girl who leaves in episode one. There's a girl who leaves in episode two. Episode three, I missed. And episode four, I picked up on, and then there wasn't a girl who just left every week. So I thought, okay, well, they've done with that. But it did look like yes. that at the start. Yeah, 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 very much. Um, I think also it was a lot more about everybody at this fat camp is fucked up, and that's why they're fat. And it, it really seemed to be that's how focusing, it seemed in the first on, episode. focusing on these people have fucked lives away from fat camp and that's why they're fat and that's why they're all here together. Uh, uh, Hasselhoff, almost skinny girl. Well, skinny girl for the fat camp. Um, has, pretty pretty, pretty has, girl. She's has the a girl that all the boys mother, want. As a mysterious mother paid for herself to go to fat camp. Mother doesn't actually want her away. Father hasn't been mentioned. Um, there's some issue going along with that. When the Dodsons turned up in that second episode, the yep. second girl that left... And they were all like it was. It was such an, a dysfunctional family. It's very in, life. It was a very intense family, John, where everybody had to do everything together. It's one of those families. Let's go and do this together. So, do the characters actually live at the fat camp? Like, it's all taking place in the. It's all. It's all taking. Camp? So, this okay. is a sleepaway camp. Like, you know, we see it's over a summer. Remember the meatballs films? Kids would go away to camp mm-hmm. for eight weeks, yeah. and so this is. And you know, they have math camp and space camp and fat camp. That's just how that works. Considering this is a, obviously a bit of a theme popping up at the moment in American telly, because you've got the character in uh, The Big C as well, who um, I want to say is played by the woman from Precious, but she probably isn't. But she might be. And uh, again, the idea of the uh, fat teenagers seems to be the, the, the hot button. Oh, no, no I, think right she, I think she is. It is? It I think is. that is, that is right. the girl from Precious in, yeah. uh, in The Big C. In the big so, C. so obviously there's a thing in America something going, hey, fat people, drama. Fat people, so hot right now. So hot right now. So Right now, uh, well, I mean to to say that I think really devalues what Huge is about and and how how well Huge is written. I think um, it's it's quite an ensemble piece. Yeah, I and like even the even the skinny people who are there are really fucked in the head. Like the, Toby, could you find out how old Savannah Dooley is for me, please? Um, like the the uh, counselor for the girls' tent is just freaking out of her mind and just too over the poppy. top and yeah her yeah, name her name yeah. is poppy hi i'm poppy she's, she's really fantastic male fairy male fairy and like uh I'm, it really it's it's like having abby Kadavi as your camp counselor it's that crazy and and it turns out later on i'm not sure how many episodes you got into it but she's she has other uh like she just She's like an unformed person, not not fully formed. Um, the the doctor is she actually a psychiatrist? I don't who, know who runs the, the, camp. the woman who runs the camp, but she was a former uh, a former camp goer herself, former fatty, and so she she has allegiances to the camp. Uh, has issues with her father working there and her who mother. Is her, and her father is played by Paul Dooley, who is Winnie Holzman's husband, and Savannah Dooley's. Father, oh, really? And they wrote that role for him especially because they were spending so much time together. They're a very close knit family, and they he were was the Dodsons. and and he was excluded <laughs> from it. So they wrote him a role on the show just so he could spend some time with them. Aww, I think that's, that's nice. That's sweet and creepy. That's a, a little bit. We have to remember that uh, Savannah Dooley 
is all of 25 years old. So she's written this, she, she's pretty much written this entire season. And, uh, and it really is that well written. You, you think so that it's a, you know, it's all done by a 25 year old, you're shocked. The mother is the producer. The mother, the mother is the executive producer. Okay. And, uh, that's, that's the way it, it worked out. Uh, and the show probably wouldn't have gone ahead without Winnie Holzman there. But uh, to hear them interviewed, Winnie Holzman says, yes, we, we get co-credits and uh, and we worked on it together, but there were so many things that I couldn't touch because Savannah just had the voices down perfectly. She knew exactly how people were going to say it, how things were going to look. It was Everything was in her head. So, uh, so she has developed this series from the book and brought it to life with, I, I think is, is extraordinary. Uh, I mean, surely she, she had the help of, of having some parents in the biz, uh, who had a, a great pedigree, but I think she's done great work. I, I think it's a really enjoyable show and mm, it's a great, mm. it's a great little teen drama. And it, it had, it, 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 I think it speaks truth. It speaks a lot of truth and it has great depth. Um, one of the characters that doesn't, Kind of feature too much in the first two or three eps, but really kind of almost almost gets into scene stealing. Is uh, Alistair, who's the weird kid, the the guy who ah oh, Athena, yes, Athena, uh, yes, uh, yeah, who is a, a great actor as well. Yeah, and uh, and just does these really like does little bits of nothing in as he's in the background of scenes, and he's hilarious. There is also this really interesting. Uh, gay subplot where uh, one of the characters uh, who's a jock has a man crush on uh, another character in a way that makes me think he's a teenager, he's gay, but he's always been a jock uh, and he hasn't worked out how he's going to come out yet. And there's a really nice scene where he's talking to uh, Alistair, who is... uh, I think again, they're not explicit uh, about it, but uh, I think everyone just assumes that he is gay, and uh, and they're having a a really nice subtextual conversation about how to deal with emotions and how to be true to yourself without actually saying anything explicitly. It's it's handled really nicely, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going with that. Uh, with that subplot, and I'm hoping that I'm not going to be disappointed as well. But it is it is really interesting to see these little scenarios play out. Uh, I really hadn't... Uh, yeah, I, it, it, his storyline hasn't taken me to, oh, yeah, he's gay and he's going to come out at some point. Like that, the man crush... Uh, That's why it's subtext. Was, I, I think was more about he's always been the jock, but he, he craves... The ability to be creative, he craves. A, a, but I, I don't see that that's a, a sexuality thing. Are you saying that's my heteronormative bias, Maybe. Fred? Is that what be. you're saying? Because that's be. usually John's line. Because it's just a, a you, you think just because well, it's a bit weird, he must be gay. Heteronormative bias. Sorry, it could be Brett's heteronormative bias. Ah, oh. does it work that? See, well, is that how heteronormative bias works? Well, it works well, both well, ways. <laughs> Another interesting thing is is uh, is the way that uh, race just isn't an issue at all. Does yeah, it, do, it, who, who's black and who's white, and it and, doesn't when when everybody's fat, everybody's together, everybody's united except for the cliques, who uh, who really are mean to each other. 
in in strange ways. I think it's a really nice show. It's it's, it's a nice little subculture show. Uh, I'm hoping that it's going to come to television in Australia. If not, uh, it'll be available on DVD shortly because the entire season has run in the US. That's huge. Uh, it was on the CW. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internets. Are you one of those that follows the follows the Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have uh, caught the new Cadbury ads that's uh, doing the rounds on the telly at the moment. They've moved away from the, the weirdos with the uh, electronic music. I think you might have the same I don't buy that I was going to have. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear now. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a, a mixing magician type dude uh, that works at the Cadbury factory apparently. He has, he has the, uh, the swirly bits of chocolate and the swirly bits of a glass and a half of full cream dairy milk that obviously goes into the chocolate. What I don't buy about this. So when you said the bits of a glass and a half, I thought like bits of glass. Like he's, he pours the bits of glass into the chocolate. It's been well, a long time since you've had Cadbury chocolate, has, well, isn't I was, it, Joe? Because it's, uh, you know, it's pleasure and pain <laughs> yeah. all in one. Traditionally, uh, with the Australian oh, campaign now. <laughs> there is no broken glass in Cadbury chocolate. Oh, but the, oh, the crunch ones. Oh, I love it. It's actually, it's actually a really nice crunch. There is no broken glass in Cadbury chocolate. I was I was enjoying some over that the weekend. That we know of. Let me tell you. I'm not making that guarantee. The producer's looking upset. <laughs> there is no broken glass in Cadbury chocolate. So so there's yes, so traditionally been a can uh, over many many years from Julius Sumner Miller on. And that's the first uh, Cadbury as I can remember. Um, Cadbury's kind of tagline has been a glass and a half of full cream dairy milk in, in every, every 250 gram block. block. You know it doesn't exist on supermarket shelves anymore? A 250-gram block. What is it There now? is no glass and a half in any block it's of It's 200 grams anymore. now. I was, I was thinking it was, yeah, it was 200 grams. I didn't realize they it took it down by 20, 20% and uh, didn't change the price at all. Uh, added, palm added to oil the packaging, though. They put more packaging in. More packaging, yeah, more, more cardboard. Uh, put palm oil in it. Uh, everybody jumped off. And so now they're all uh, fair trade uh, and and you know, environmentally good apparently trying trying desperately so desperately to undo the bad uh, that they did by switching over to palm oil, which was just about um, it was just about changing the the rate at which the blocks of chocolate would uh, um, dissolve in one's mouth, and thus uh, making it quicker to get through and people would actually eat more. So now they've replaced palm oil with a renewable resource of palm sweat. That's also not true. There is no palm sweat. I'm I'm confused by the ad. What was the the actual ad? The ad says, still with a glass and a half of goodness. But they're not oh, so saying it's the glass and a half. Where it's the glass, about. yes. Oh, I thought that was what I had to sit through to get to the actual. <laughs> no, no, no. It just sounded like old women. There aren't enough benches in the city, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're still saying there's a glass and a half, uh, implying that okay. there's a glass and a half in but every there block. Isn't because it's, but there it's isn't because they've reduced the object. Yes, than it was. It's, it's a maths question, really. Isn't it, it, it is. <laughs> okay, it is. It is. If we were going to have a quiz this week, we would <laughs> ask how much milk is there now in an average. Cadbury block, oh, I but see, there isn't eighty percent. So you have to work out what eighty percent of a glass, a glass and a half, and a half is, oh, and then you know how big's a hole. Depends how big you dig it. I wonder if how big's a glass? Like really, glass and a half. 
I wonder if that was uh, glass the, isn't a measure. A cup is a measure. The glass Australian measure. glass or the English glass, or is it a two eighty five mil? Is it a three hundred mil? Is it's it a Vegemite jar? Is it a scooter or a midi? Yeah. What sort of glass? <laughs> what is it? So maybe it is. Maybe their glasses just got smaller. They didn't right. show any smaller glasses. In fact, they don't even show the glass anymore. It's just swirling around, and then they swirl together the chocolate and the milk. It's and not the glass. It's not the chocolates that got <laughs> no smaller, Brett. Glass, it's the glasses. Uh, hi, this is Scott Brennan, uh, television Scott Brennan, if you've got cable. Um, not free to air anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really bitter, but um, this is the box cutters, and this is pretty much what I've been reduced to. The rule of one. Uh, you haven't turned your own microphone on. Brett. The rule of one. Mm. Uh, Hellcats. I'm going to take Brett's random. Mm. Well, that's what I did coming out of Scott Brennan and the rule of one. Yeah. Hellcats, is this uh, the no, new Golden Horn TV the- series? Oh, you'd think so. But no, this is, uh, this is a series about a girl who is clearly too old to be in junior college. In junior college, ah. uh, she's a twenty. Spelling production. She's a twenty-eight-year-old freshman, or so it seems, <laughs> uh, and she's uh, she's only managed to be in college because she's got a scholarship because her mother works for the college. So what? Her mother works for the college. That's outright nepotism. Why, why is it no, called no, no, Hellcats? Well, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting there, uh, and uh, and the, there's this thing where you can get like a partial scholarship if your child. Uh, wants to go to that same school. Or you're talking you, at a partial scholarship. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, you're working. It's it, you know just suspend that disbelief. That's okay. the way. That's the way it works. Fair enough. In, that sounds fair in this college, right? Sure. Yep. Why not? No reason. She rides her bike everywhere, and she rides her bike like she means it. Oh, she really puts her like shoulders a cat out of hell. She really puts her <laughs> shoulders in it. That was good. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, she really, you know, no one can see this, but she she rides a bike like that. Whenever whenever they do mid shots of her riding a bicycle, her shoulders go from left to right to show that she's pedaling really, really hard on a stationary bike. Uh, well, in front of her, she's just, she's just standing up. She's just standing up, <laughs> just moving her shoulders left yeah. and right, left and right, left and right, with this this firm look, on, and she does that. Probably through about half the episode. Half the episode is her riding the bicycle. And when I say half the episode, I mean, I got to 18 minutes and went, oh my God, it's only been 18 minutes. I must stop it now. Uh, she uh, loses her scholarship because they take they take that uh, made up thing away from the employees. Ah, because doesn't the, really the care brown pills wear off. Yeah, yeah probably. Soul man. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of soul man. Mm-hmm. Uh, she discovers that there is a scholarship available for people in the cheerleading squad. If you're a cheerleader, you automatically get a scholarship. What? What? It's an American tradition. Uh, are, the so che- she, are the cheerleaders called Hellcats? The cheerleaders are called the Hellcats. Hey, we finally got to a title. I was trying- <laughs> they're football cheerleaders? And, or do they just No, they're competition cheer- cheerleaders. Oh, okay. Oh, like not actually cheering for anybody. Who knows? Maybe they should explain that in the second half of the episode. <laughs> this is just like a bunch of other popular TV shows that they've whacked together, isn't it, really? They've just and the, people and the, like that one. So she, she needs to learn very quickly because it just so happens that one member of the cheerleading squad has injured themselves and they're auditioning for a new member of the cheerleading squad at the same time that she discovers that her scholarship is being cancelled. Uh, so, you know, as luck would have it, the 28-year-old, who I'm sure could get by on some special 
uh, old person's adult education. adult education scholarship, but no, she doesn't try for that. Is there a scene where someone very sternly tells her that she doesn't have a, a scholarship anymore? Like, a, you know, is there a hard-ass kind of bureaucrat the type dean. who says, uh, oh, "You don't no, do no. that anymore. Get out of this office." No, she uh, she receives a a, a, a piece of mail. Right. She, she receives a piece of mail uh, that is clearly a bill. We know it's a bill because it has a big stamp on it. it says "past due." And uh, she goes, what? What's going on? And goes to her mother, uh, who we will call for the uh, for, for the benefit of this review, Mother Exposition, uh, to explain what the hell has gone on. And she explains that whole thing about the scholarships right. and the employees and uh, cancelled. And then does she cycle? Does she angry? She, she like does. <laughs> she cycles angrily to the library or something. I don't know. Anyway, she goes and does all this stuff. Then she decides that she's going to audition for the Hellcats. And this is the only good part of the show. This is the, this is a part of the show that I thought... This review's in real time, you realise. You can watch the show in the same amount of time that you're actually reviewing. I know. Uh, th- this is the part of the show that I thought, oh, it's got some promise. Maybe if it's got more of this. Because she learns... She learns how to do uh, how to do cheerleading by renting a copy of Bring It On, and then doing the moves along with Bring It On. So you could just go watch Bring It On. You could, but you'd be way more entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then she she auditions for uh, for the Hellcats. She gets in, and that's the point where I went. That's all I need to see of this show. That's Hellcats. We won't be reviewing that again. <laughs> Letters to box cutters. John Richards, you have a letter in front of you. We do. Actually, we've had lots and lots of letters. We um, have. There was a lot of people who wrote in saying, you know, how exciting greatest TV characters are and what was number five. I think we've covered that. Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of people who wrote in say, community paintball episode. Oh, yeah. So thank you to all of you. Um, people who wrote in about AussieCon and, and people who, who, of course, blogged and tweeted and rotoscoped and wax cylindered it uh, over the weeks as well. So thank no you so much. No People just don't put the effort in anymore. Um, here's some other letters we got in. Joe Boxcutter wrote, I quite like this. He said, Josh, I'm getting concerned. We had this whole sync thing going where I agreed with all the shows you guys liked and recommended until the last few weeks. Actually, finding something in that awful, awful show Louis to laugh at was one thing. Now having a go at the sci-fi originals, and he spelt sci-fi correctly, and by correctly I mean incorrectly. Sydney. Yeah, with all the whys. Dude, I just don't know where this whole podcaster happy listener thing we have is going. Well, Joe, I, I, I need to tell you, Louis, I, I've, I've learnt that me and maybe three other people like Louis. I don't know how it got renewed for a second season because those numbers clearly aren't cutting it. <laughs> uh, but everyone else in the world seems to hate it. So either I'm wrong or you are. Let's just go with the majority here. I'm wrong, but I'm still enjoying it. So that's, that's me with Louis. Uh, we'll just have to agree and disagree, and that's what good relationships are based on, Joe. Remind us of what uh, what channels it on in the states? FX on FX, because he he chose not to go with one of the big offers that he had. There was a lot of competition to to actually sign him up, and it was FX that that offered him full creative control over over it and final cut, basically. You're also more likely to, to yeah, and, survive and, on a small. But because station, of that, he, he actually took a, a large uh, cut in what they were offering. Right. But, uh, you know, I still, 
I still think it's excellent. But uh, and uh, and as far as sci-fi originals, well, uh, you know that can just be our little quirk that every now and then when we're out to dinner, Joe, you can just bring that up, and <laughs> I go, oh, you're always bringing that one up, Joe. Always. Joe also says happy birthday on the end of that as well. Oh, thanks. Um, which Gabby starts with happy <gasps> birthday, box cutters. Um, she can't believe she's listened to the show for four and a half years because that's a lot of her life that she has thrown away for no reason. It's half. Oh, not not for no reason. Surely it helped her get to sleep or. <laughs> <laughs> hate my voice or something or distract her from the pain when that horse crushed her legs just Poor like Cole Porter when he wrote the song uh, True Love True Story <laughs> True. alarmingly uh, anyway True oh. Love which was also, which is also titled Oh my god that horse it really hurt I think when you hear True Love by Cole Porter you can actually hear the sound of a man having his legs crushed by a horse I think it, well, I think it comes through it's got that chorus that goes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just thank you for the show you've much influenced my television viewing for the better She now onto the top 10 characters she says, this is great, but she has to say her bit for Buffy Summers, because she has mm-hmm. some of the same feeling as Josh. She isn't my favorite character in the show anymore. But when I was writing my top ten list, I thought back to when I first watched each show. And what I remember about Buffy the Vampire Slayer was when I was 12, I wanted to be Buffy Summers each and every week, and I would tune my TV to see what would happen to her. I love the rest of the Scoobies, but she tied the show together and brought all the great characters together. Um, which I think is a fair point because I was listening last week and thinking the weird thing is that Buffy is the most boring character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer but but without her there is no show well yeah she's the lead and it's like she has to be boring because you couldn't have a Willow show and you couldn't have a Xander show she's the keystone yeah you kind of need the heroic slightly and it's it's kind of weird that she was in this show which made everyone else look so much more interesting around her because they got to do the the cool stuff well they only got uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, as Buffy because she had the martial arts, didn't they? Do they? Yeah, but it's it's not because of Sarah I mean, Michelle Gellar. I, 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 think, I think it's because she of Buffy. She wasn't that, employed for I think acting ability. But I, I think, think she's it's really because good of Buffy the, the character. Yeah. Uh, Buffy the character is not a very interesting character, but but I think that's also what... I mean, if I, if I think about that's the that, way that the show is, is constructed, you're, you're entirely right. Without Buffy... Uh, like Willow and Xander would have been friends, but Willow and Xander and Cordelia and uh, but also as characters they can't they can't hold a series together. She yeah. is the heroic character. But I it think, was just I think Giles holding her down all the time. So Giles was the one character you could have a show for, and there was always those rumours of the BBC of Ripper, Ripper series. Oh, which I would have, have loved that. Great, but so there are things like Torchwood. Would be nice if someone could have asked uh, Joss Whedon about that. When yeah, he was, what uh, a shame. Uh, Gabby also just uh, mentioned because you mentioned before my so-called life that um, Angela Chase is an amazing character, had an influence on all the characters that hit the screen since that show went in '94. And um, so I didn't really ever get to see random episodes of my so-called life. You know, it is available on DVD. You could purchase it. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Gabby says, your little rendition of Suicide is Painless gave me the idea uh, of not studying her ears in as I would have. Gave her the idea that the box cutters should next put together a list of favourite theme songs. Which is something that you and I have talked about since the day you started. Well, cause, yeah, because I, I did a few theme songy things at the beginning. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we, started, we started and ended with Mike Post. Yeah, Mike Post. Bless Mike Post. And then finally on my list of letters here is this one from Ben, because going back to questions one might ask Joss Whedon, um, he says, I'm a recent convert of the show, having met the delightful John at the Joss Whedon gig. That is true. I thought I was getting lucky. No, heterosexual. Disappointed. <laughs> um, very cute, though. Very cute. He's going to hear this now and not want to be my Facebook friend anymore. <laughs> Anyway, he was talking about the... You have to stop the, hitting the straight <laughs> I can't tell them apart anymore. You're ruining our audience. <laughs> I'm building our audience one by one. <laughs> Hello, young man. Would you like to hear a podcast? It's about television. 
I understand you young men enjoy television. <laughs> I do it with some other gentlemen. I have a boiled lolly here so- somewhere. Sometimes there's a lady, a bit like uh, Elizabeth Taylor in Suddenly Last Summer. <laughs> Most obscure reference of the day. Anyway, um, Ben goes on to mention uh, that that um, he rather enjoyed it. So uh, let's go back to the beginning. Joss Whedon, we talked a couple of weeks ago, not a very interesting interview. Ben says he, he rather enjoyed it, but then he didn't pay to see it. And to be honest, I wasn't expecting much from the first place. So I was pleasantly surprised. Also, the public question and answer was not fucking retarded. <laughs> um, Discussing afterwards the infamous font question from the George Romero interview a few years back, which I think which we... Melbourne will never forget. It is weird. That has become the, the, the touchstone of terrible Q&As, is people asking George Romero about the fonts on his poster at the Melbourne International Film Festival. It's, it's like... But, but it's become like Nirvana at the at the Sydney Big Day Out. Everyone says that they were there. Yeah. Says, oh, yeah, I was at the oh, George yeah, Romero yeah. font well, question. Font question got asked. Oh, yeah, I was there. Um, but also, let's say... Um, I had heard around the Writers' Festival quite a few of the diehard punters were a bit miffed at having a gasp television writer as part of their festival. Perhaps that's what led to this softball interview. The Writers' Festival doesn't yet know how to play outside of their backyard. However, these were the same people complaining about the queues and the unfortunate side effects of the festival actually being popular. (laughs) Um, Loving the show, Ben. P.S. Also loving the video podcast, but when is it going to be in 3D? Mr. Cropley, did you have something? No, I've got, I've got, a, oh, I've got a thing. I've got something just full of 3D there's video no, podcast. No, there's oh! no 3D video podcast. It's just you and pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> they really believed just then that an elastic band was, was about to hit them in the eye. It's just you and pantomime. Like a hammock. Uh, Michelle wrote in to say, hey, hi, box cutters. She really does say, hey, hi. Hey, hi, box cutters. I have it in my head that I heard this information in a box cutters podcast, and then my screen went blank. Forgive me if I was wrong. Did I? She didn't say the thing about the screen. That it was just me commentating. Oh, I'm confused oh. now. I'll start from the beginning. No, Michelle Boxcutter wrote in to say, "Hey, hi, box cutters." She really says, "Hey, hi." I have it in my head that I heard this information box cutters podcast. Forgive me if I was wrong. Did I hear you mention how many entries there had been to the Amazing Race Australia? If so, could you remind me, please? Thanks, guys. From Michelle. Now, Michelle, I did say that uh, it was a hundred thousand based on a media release that I received from Channel Seven that I clearly did not read accurately. Uh, how many did you was say it? Hundred really? thousand. Yeah, I did I, say. For some reason, 50,000... Uh, well, here's the thing. For me? Uh, 100,000... Uh, people? People would be 50,000 50, teams. Right. Uh, but 100,000 people visited the application website in the first couple <laughs> of weeks. So I think 100,000 people downloaded an application form, right. perhaps. So we don't actually know how um, many people... Are so this, this, of course, means nothing. Last week, the production company announced that the application period had been extended... So, I wonder if they extended it because they really wanted to be Wave nice. every one of those 100,000 people to, uh, or to if they extend, Or if they extended it because they didn't think they had the right combination of teams to audition and so needed to extend it to try to get some better quality teams. Like which monkey wranglers. Probably means that if you Somebody had put in your, uh, your one earlier, you... Just not interesting enough. Paraplegic submissions need not apply. Yeah, it's just a it's just a nice way for them to say we're unimpressed with you so far. Geriatric plumbers. Ooh, I'd watch them. <laughs> Ger- win. Geriatric lesbian Presbyterian plumbers who are bitches. Yeah, 
I'd watch that for sure. If you want to send a letter to Box Cutters, you can. Hooray at boxcutters.net or the Contact Us link on the website or so many of the other ways. If you watch one thing. Very quickly, John, John Richards, very quickly. If quickly. I'm watching one thing, it's my quickly. radio. I actually go for a radio show just because I realised on the way in that Listen Against is back on season three <gasps> oh, of Listen Against is returning like to BBC Radio. It's a hilarious show uh, that looks at a parody of the sort of things that have been on the radio in, in the previous week. Who's the, in that? Um, Alice Arnold, and I've forgotten the guy's name. Alice Arnold's hilarious because she's so deadpan. She's actually a real BBC News presenter who does Alice this show. Arnold. Alice Arnold. And it's just full of all this wordplay and bizarre stories, and it's yeah. they they take they take the week's BBC stories and cut them up to make politicians say daft things, and they and invent weird shows. And but it's all done so deadpan. Like for example, in this week's episode, there's a segment of David Mitchell um, having hit media saturation and basically hosting a show in which he is also the three guests. <laughs> and oh, they, and he's they, doing quite a bit. And Have you seen the segment. bubble? <laughs> yeah, so the segment where it's like, and uh, next question, David Mitchell. I was going to say David Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> there's applause. <laughs> so, um, so this is very against just on the He's iPlayer. also doing a video podcast. It's so on the iPlayer and, he just can't and available that. to listen to yes, internationally. iPlayer, you can listen to the radio anywhere in the world. You just can only watch the telly if you're in that's, the UK. That's so iPlayer radio, listen against. Brett Cropley, oh, yeah. if you're going to watch and or listen to, because clearly this show is just... I'm on television. any... <laughs> ABC 2, 8.30 Wednesday night. We've got Winnebago Man, the angriest man in the world. This is uh, a doco that tracks down uh, who, the, the subject of uh, what was an internet meme at one point, uh, the, uh, the Winnebago salesman who they, they posted up uh, the outtakes where he's going off at his video crew and, and uh, kind of getting shitty with the Winnebago. I've not that seen this. Really? Yeah. No, no, so this is a documentary about this man. Yes. And he's an overly dramatic hamster. Uh, Jack <laughs> Rebecca. It was, it was uh, prior to that, I believe. Right. Yeah. So this man who Likes sells. turtles. He sells Winnebago. Jack Rebney. And he's a dancing baby. He, An American a cat RV plays a piano. salesman whose hilarious foul mouth outbursts circulated underground on VHS tapes in the 90s. <gasps> so it's well before. Oh, it's a pre internet meme. He's a flying toaster. Uh, turned into a full-blown internet phenomenon seen by more than 20 million people worldwide. Oh, so Wednesday, Wednesday night, 8.30 on ABC2? ABC2, yes. I like that. Uh, I will be watching on Tuesday night, uh, ABC1 at 10pm and repeated, but I'm only going to watch it once, Sunday night uh, on ABC2 at 6.30pm, obsessed with walking. This is my description not the ABC title. I thought it was a title. No, the title is "Obsessed with Walking." It is. Okay. Yes, right. my description, not the ABC's description. Okay. Uh, self-important modern British literary bore Will Self sets out on a walking journey from Los Angeles Airport to Hollywood to highlight the impact of the environment on the human psyche. Is he going to shoot up on the way? He doesn't do that anymore, does he? No, he's now just but a he, self-important he was, modish, modern Brit- British literary bore. I think he was most famous at one point because he had been busted shooting up on, on the a, Prime Ministerial plane yes. uh, in that election that Tony Blair that won. Is, that, is, uh, that is true. Uh, now, real self, you try too hard. It's not... Uh, well, you know, he wasn't going to get famous from his excellent writing. I've read at least three of his books. 
and they weren't very good. Well, that's all I got. I can't actually remember the most. No, I read yeah. three of them. It's, I read a good short story that he wrote once mm-hmm. uh, for the European Union or something. It was weird. But that's uh, Will Self. So, you know, I do like to hate Will Self, though. So I, w- I will watch that I show just to hate, just him, to hate and, him. Until he turned up on Shooting Stars and was really funny. And I really liked oh, him really? since then. Yeah, ruined everything. That's a shame. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. It's too late. There's no time for the chair. No time for the chair. I'll bring you your chair, Toby. On your knees. (laughs) In July. I'll grab a microphone, too. You can talk still. No, you can still keep talking. Dead air. Dead podcast air. It's valuable. (laughs) (laughs) You know we're still rolling. It's still going. Yeah, yeah. So... What have you learned from today's show, Toby? Okay, well, during the course of the show, I uncovered five fun facts. Um, regarding the dropping of Stephanie Rice, one of the reasons she was dropped may have been that it apparently cost Channel 7 $800,000 for a two-year contract, and she only appeared on two shows, Make Me a Supermodel and Better Homes and Gardens. So are you implying they were looking for an excuse? Oh, good God, no. <laughs> I have no evidence uh, uh, of that nature. I, lo- really I love... Sorry? Why aren't I getting... $800,000 for doing not very little for Channel yeah, 7. Yeah, Clearly, I do more for Channel 7 than Stephanie Rice ever did. Weirdly, you do. I know. Odd. Yeah. yeah. I did uh, read uh, from another TV commentator somewhere, I think, while I was looking up this sort of stuff. Apparently, Channel 7 just kind of threw her in at the deep end, which as hey. a swimmer, should be, she should be able to <laughs> cope with. Uh, but uh, she didn't have that much experience as a TV presenter, mm. and they pretty much screwed what, her What, the Olympic over. swimmer didn't have much experience as a TV as presenter? A TV presenter. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah. She's, Go figure, hey. She's just treading water the whole way through her hey. She was wet behind the ears. Hey! <laughs> Um, also, rubber uh, cap regarding 3D, <laughs> regarding 3D TV, uh, a Nielsen survey found that 22% of people asked were happy to have a broadband-enabled TV box. You know, so you're able to get shows downloaded to your TV, but only 12% uh, wanted uh, a 3D television. So perhaps that the story we were discussing before, maybe that there is there the is division. actually a, a division between people who yeah. uh, who. Mind and people who actually want, yeah, and the yep. number of people who actually want is very, very small, smaller than you would really base a market on. I yeah, would think, absolutely, yeah, they're still pushing it. They're still, I know, yes, indeed. Well, you can sell them for a packet, can't you? Um, listeners might be interested to know as well that, um, in 2004, Faulty Towers was ranked in a BBC survey to find Britain's best sitcom fifth. No, Ooh. they won't be. They, oh, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. I thought that, that, that they that's the same synchronization. That's or? the same survey the good life did quite well. They won't be right? known. Oh, yeah. oh, how awkward. Um, uh, 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 it was earlier discussed whether Russell Brand was marrying Lady Gaga. He is still marrying La- uh, Katy Perry. However, in July he did reveal oh, that... Oh, Katy Perry, I, I get them confused. Well, nonetheless, there is a Russell Brand-Lady Gaga connection. Russell Brand in July said that on his Bucks night he wanted a lesbian lap dance from Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift. And did he did he get that? Well, they're not married yet. Oh, so so he's, he's getting married to Katy Perry. Yes, that's even worse. Yeah, yes. I, I know Gaga. even less about Katy Perry. <laughs> Does <laughs> that make me old or her irrelevant? I know virtually nothing about it, but I know I hate her. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that's all I know. I'm with you. Let's get t-shirts. I think Katie it's now terrible that I can't think of uh, who who sang Rehab. Who would be even worse? That's again. Amy Winehouse. Amy, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Katy Perry's she, the one I who doesn't wear the steak suits. Hair would get Amy Winehouse did have a decent album. That, like mm, back in black. So Amy Winehouse can at least go, that was my decent album, give me more smack. You know, yeah. so oh, but she's yeah. been so, so trashy. I mm. thought right. Amy Winehouse was Russell Brand. 
What else is on your list there, Toby? Because um, um, you said five, but I'm sure there was, was also a font question, and I uncovered <laughs> no, Romero. No, not a font question. The specific that question that was asked to Romero related to sans serif fonts. Yes, it did. <laughs> it and I, really I did. did. I uncovered that on your blog, actually. Oh, <laughs> hang on. You're now reading my blog of research. So, <laughs> well, you've forgotten the facts you knew two years ago. So. <laughs> this is the Meta Podcast. <laughs> How helpful am I? So he used sans serif fonts or he avoided them? You, no, you commonly have was... sans serif fonts on your posters. I was wondering why you have sans serif fonts on your posters. Because serifs are messy. <laughs> no. No, oh, no. Yeah. no, no, no. Ramirez answer was, I have nothing to do with the posters. <laughs> Patently. <laughs> Get if that man away. With him. Um, hey, uh, something that I picked up over the week is... Uh, you should get that, that checked out by a doctor. <laughs> it, it, it had passed me by. Uh, they, they have oh, the team that are presenting the Australian Top Gear now that has moved to Channel 9. Have you guys seen this at all? Hey, didn't they announce this... Ages ago, isn't it that guy that plays the trumpet and two other people? No, no, it's not. Uh, Kenny is is in there. Shane, Shane Jacobson. Uh, Jacobson. Ah, uh, not Kenny Powers because I'd watch that. <laughs> not Kenny Powers. Uh, and Ewan Page, who I'm unaware of uh, who that is, and Steve Pizzati, who has been in the uh, the Australian one since its uh, since its inception. James Morrison's gone, uh, and Warren Brown's gone. Right. I don't mm. care. Uh, <laughs> did anyone watch Junior MasterChef? No. But Facebook read it, watched it for me, as far as yeah, I can yeah, tell. The, yeah. the whole world, except for the three of you, <laughs> watched no. Junior MasterChef. I was doing prep at the time and mm. was not looking directly at the TV. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was not bad, but kind of freaky. I think these kids are, uh, you know, significantly like- precocious, mm. and I don't necessarily want to watch that much precociousness. No. Are, they, my, my are they a little bit like the kids in Spellbound? They are a little bit like the kids in Spellbound. That they love yeah. cooking a little bit too they're children much. Children cooking. Why am I going to watch a show about children cooking? Why would I ever watch that? Because they're prodigies, and their taste buds haven't been tainted yeah. with years of you are right, you are right. it's alcohol not, abuse and cigarettes and it's not as food. much fun as a show about cooking children <laughs> uh, and uh, also beat the star has been dumped from uh, channel 7's lineup uh, already no no it's been uh, put back into a later time slot for this week but then that's what they'll returning. say andrew gaze is uh, is this year's uh, this but then but then star. won't be returning no won't be that's returning a after dumping that. yeah that's pretty much especially dumped. considering they had four stars and they've only gone through Two of them. And if you consider how much they really they told us that they were... They were <laughs> well, that's a lot of uh, uh, confidence in that show, eh? Yeah, well, they, they I only, can't even remember who the star was last week, and I uh, watched... Uh, last week it was some Channel 7 chef who no one had ever heard of. <sighs> that's and right, that's from, why, um, from why My Kitchen you, Rules. Why wouldn't you start with Andrew Gaze? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you go with your biggest gun? Like, everybody loves Andrew Gaze. Everyone wants to see a family of four beat Andrew Gaze at some something. Channel 7, Channel 7 uh, programming have started believing their own publicity and, uh, and figured that everybody th- really was watching My Kitchen Rules. I think that's, I think that's what happened. Because yeah. this guy, I'm yeah. like, you know, he was fun and entertaining, but I had no idea who he was. You've got Aiden Nicodemo, who was in The Matrix, who I think should have a T-shirt that says, I was in the fucking Matrix. Because she was, and yep. now she's on Beat the Star, and she's, her episode doesn't even go to air. Who was the other one that uh, got snubbed? 
Uh, I don't know, Grant Daniel or someone. <laughs> Channel 7 go-to person. The new host of New host uh, of Iron Chef. It wasn't actually Grant Daniel. It was uh, uh, some... Ben Cousins. Swimmer or something. A female swimmer, but not not Rice. Uh, anyway, I watched Beat the Star. I watched it all the way through. I had to skip. It was not bad. No, it was terrible. It was not bad. It was horrendous. It was fun family entertainment. There's nothing offensive. Like, it's perfect for its time yeah, slot. It's but fine. Josh, Josh let's, let's remind know, everybody that you're a big fan of, uh, of Gladiators. Yeah, oh, I love Gladiators. Gladiators. Yeah. Is amazing. Gladiators is a great show. If, if you if you wet yourself over Gladiators, you would have tolerated. Uh, I'd, Beat I'd the no Star. problems. I'd no problems with Beat the Star. And as far as uh, you know, bringing variety back to television, this is the kind of thing that variety television used to be like. Does it have big beefy dudes in lycra? No, so it's oh. not as good as Gladiators. Yeah, I was going to say I would I would pay to see Andrew Gaze like running up a foam mountain and wrestling someone to get a ball in a box. Is, I would. Is, I would is running that. up a foam mountain a euphemism? Because it <laughs> so should oh, be. Oh, 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 I think he's running. Not implying anything mountain. about Andrew Gaze, but you know, in his spare time, he runs up a foam the, mountain. Uh, if you know what I'm saying. The, the, the problem was that it was too long. A half hour show, I think, would have been fine. An hour show was too long. Just did. Drag and drag. And it was a twelve-hour presentation. It, it was, was just. Nuts. I know. But like, also, they they did have the 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 uh, gladiators style audience in in that massive studio. Yeah, uh, and and it. it's a fun and show. It's but really it's not, not that, that exciting. No. <laughs> no, no. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode two hundred and forty-one. Uh, I, I want to say welcome to, to Toby Halligan again. Mm. Mm. Welcome, Thank Toby Halligan. Welcome, mm. Toby Halligan. Thank you. Uh, now, this is the awkward bit where I haven't told you how we do our sign-off, and you just have to assume and then go along with it. Yeah. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. My name is Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Toby Halligan and Josh Canal, with help from Brett Cropley, John Richards and Nellie Thomas. Our audio engineer slash magician is Brett Cropley. Peter Wilson commands our servers to do his bidding. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. Don't forget to pay up your subscription by September 22nd to be in the running for some great prizes. If you enjoyed this episode of Box Cutters, then go to the iTunes Music Store or Facebook or Twitter or something and write a review. Spread the word and help other people find this show so that they can enjoy it too. Don't be so selfish, really. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at Box Cutters Cast and our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash boxcutters. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or through the Contact Us link on the blog, which you'll find at boxcutters.net. You can also send us an SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458-CUTTER. Toby, that was very smooth, the way you just worked out exactly how, how that... When Nelly started, uh, there was a lot of me pointing at her. Oh, she was here for three days when she started. Just, yeah, just yeah, they'd gone home. Yeah, I would say stick. I would say until next week, I'm Josh Canal, and I just I point at her and she go, "What do you want me to do now? What's going on? Oh, what, can I go home? I've got nothing. Oh, I, I should mention uh, Tansy Roberts, the author on her blog, mentioned our AussieCon appearance, and I think was the quote going to come? It was so exciting to see uh, Josh and John. Ha- they're no Nelly, uh, Nelly. 
Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, good the, on you for remembering her yeah. name. You're, just, you're never in the same room. No, I've only met her once. Uh, yeah, the, the, but the idea basically that, that we're not as good as Nelly Thomas. We're, yeah. ha- we're half an Nelly Thomas each, we're, d- if that. Half, half an Nelly Thomas each or half an Nelly Thomas combined? Yeah, we're a fraction of, of Nelly. You know who I think is a lot more than Nelly? Who? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.